would you succinctly sum up what it's um, about? Uh, it's about rewilding, which is a mass restoration of ecosystems. And that's a very different approach to the natural world, to that of mainstream conservation in Britain, which is all about protecting what's here um, and, and maintaining the ecosystems that we possess. Um, what rewilding does is to try to create opportunities for ecosystems we don't possess yet, um, ecosystems of the kind that perhaps we're used to, but that will be different to anything that went before, um, and and for the species that um, we don't yet have and could have again. And instead of trying to create particular habitats and um, particular species compositions, what it seeks to do is to bring back some of the missing elements and then allow nature to do what it does best, which is to um, uh, 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 which is to develop its own dynamic processes and its own outcomes. Um, and what we are missing desperately in Britain is um, is process, ecological process. Um, every uh, just about every conserved habitat here is kept in a state of arrested development, um, where succession and other processes are effectively prohibited um, and we are missing almost all the function and structure of ecosystems but it's not just about ecology it's also about us um, and it's about enabling us to enjoy um, a, a rather richer and rawer existence than is permitted to us at present in Britain where Everything seems so ordered and regulated and buttoned down, and it's very hard to escape from that, even when you go to what are supposedly the wildest parts of the countryside, because we have no nothing which really resembles um, self-willed land or sea in this country. Um, our national parks are basically sheep ranches. Um, they differ markedly in that respect from the national parks of almost any other country on earth. Most of the world's national parks are classified under the IUCN guidelines as category one or category two, which basically means um, governed by ecological processes, um, set aside largely for nature. Every national park in Britain is category five, which means no fundamental difference between that and the surrounding farmland. So there's nowhere to, to escape from it. See, it's even worse, in, if that's possible, where just five square kilometres out of the 48,000 square kilometres of our territorial waters are closed to commercial fishing. Everywhere else is ripped apart several times a year and life has no foothold there. And so we, we are surrounded on all sides by a remarkably depleted and impoverished ecosystem, which I believe helps to create a remarkably depleted and impoverished set of human experiences as well. Hmm. So what rewilding is about is the restoration of wildlife and the functional um, 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 wildness of the natural world, but also about a restoration of wonder and enchantment and delight and hope which are all things that we are seriously lacking in this country. Mm. 
And you know, you've spent many years writing in your column and your books, Heat and other ones about climate change, a subject that's that's rarely mentioned in Feral. It's mentioned a few times in passing. Does rewilding represent a lateral alternative route to the changes we need to see or a resignation that an adequate response will ever be possible? Well, what I hope that rewilding does is to produce an inspiring vision which can be one strand of a positive environmentalism, which then, I hope, will help to um, transform much more effectively um, environmental politics into an unstoppable force than only campaigning against the things that we don't like. And we've been very good as a movement at, um, at, at... identifying what we don't want um, and very bad as a movement uh, with a few honourable exceptions of course and identifying what we do want and you cannot sustain campaigning on that basis you, you have to have a vision you have to have something better than the standard environmental vision which is follow us and you get a slightly less crap world than you would otherwise have got that 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 cannot work for long because it is not sufficiently inspiring. Whereas follow us and here's a wonderful, fascinating, engrossing, enchanting world which we could conjure up, which I know Transition is doing in its different way as well. Now that is a vision that has got legs, if a vision can have legs. It's, it's got it's got, it's got four legs, most of them. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fantastic, and um, I'd never ha- really had you down as a as a nature writer before, but Feral contains some of the most beautiful nature writing I've read, like Thoreau or, or um, uh, Leopold and people. Are we seeing a new softer George Monbiot? Well, that's very kind of you. Thanks. Um, I, I don't think some of the people who become my the targets of my columns <laughs> agree that you're seeing that I've, I've mellowed much in my in my decrepitude. Um, I, 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 I've always, I, I suppose, you know, what part of what has happened in in researching and writing this book is that I've rediscovered my roots as an environmentalist, and it's very easy to forget why you become an environmentalist because you get bogged down in data, in parts per million, in in becquerels and and watts and and um, and and, and kilometers and kilograms and and you, you you succumb to the language and the framing of what Paul Kingsnorth would call the quants rather than the poets whereas like a, a very large number of environmentalists I came to this through a profound love of the natural world that was always my motivating force and I was almost ashamed of it because it seemed woolly and romantic and emotional by comparison to the hard empirical pursuit of trying to work out the best solutions for climate change or any of the other problems that assail us. Now, I wouldn't for a moment suggest that we should stop doing that as well. We, we desperately need people to, to do that. But there's a great danger of forgetting why we're in this. And I think that danger is best manifested, for example, in the natural capital agenda, where um, um, people pretend that they love the natural world because it makes money. 
I don't know any environmentalist who became an environmentalist because they were worried about the state of their bank balance. Wouldn't be a very rational decision if if that was your motivation. <laughs> um, and uh, and the and 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 to claim that we should be preserving the natural world and protecting the natural world um, because um, it is the economically rational thing to do. While that may be completely true, is at the same time a form of lying because it misrepresents our real motivation and our real interest in protecting it. And for almost all the environmentalists I know, the reason for wanting to protect the natural world when you push them on it is because they love it. Is because it's wonderful, it's delightful, it, it's it's astonishing, it's marvellous. And and to spend our lives pretending that we're in it for some other reason it is, is to lie to ourselves and to lie to other people, but at the same time to miss the greatest opportunity there is for reaching people, which is through wonder and enchantment mm. and the invocation of it, intrinsic values rather than extrinsic values. And so, for me, um, some people have called my book a midlife crisis. I would call it a midlife awakening, <laughs> in that um, in, in, in that I've remembered really what it's all about for me and why I got into this in the first place. And that doesn't mean I'm going to stop engaging in the in aspects of quantification, and it doesn't mean I'm going to drop the um, the how would I put it the the rather grinding, aching process of continuing to oppose the bad stuff. But I, I feel that I cannot sustain it, let alone ask people who read me or listen to me to sustain their interest if if all I talk about is, is the bad mm. stuff and how to combat it rather than good stuff and how to achieve it. Mm. And... Um have you seen, since the book came out, have you seen, uh, have there been any examples of people saying, right, that's it, I'm going to rewild all of that? Have you, what's the sense of impact it's had? It, it's, it's, been, it's been remarkable. I, I've been really surprised by it. Um, before the book came out, I went to see the, all the major conservation groups in this country to explain what was coming, because I was quite critical of, mm. of them all in the book. Um, and to um, and to uh, see what their attitudes were and um, what traction there might be. And while most of them weren't overtly hostile, one or two of them were. Um, generally, their interest was quite muted, and it was clear that they didn't have much intention of of, of acting on any of the issues that I was raising. Since then, it has really changed. It's changed quite dramatically. Um, uh, the National Trust is already rewilding some substantial areas of its own land. Um, the um, RSPB is now talking quite openly about rewilding and about um, a, a much broader vision of, of what it should be achieving. Even the Wildlife Trust, which in some ways are, are the furthest behind and the most committed to what I see as um, an unambitious, um, anally retentive and rather ecologically illiterate form of conservation, they, slightly creakingly, are beginning to change and beginning to see that 
what they've been doing in many cases is much closer to gardening, um, is um, obsessed by um, the composition of, 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 of a plant or plant and animal communities rather than by function um, and misses the big picture of what is missing and what um, uh, what, what would need to be done to, to restore anything resembling a healthy ecosystem. Brilliant, well done, fantastic. Most people who are involved with, with transition and most transition groups uh, wouldn't re- don't tend to own large estates in Wales and Scotland. What does domestic scale rewilding look like? Mm. Well, well, let, let's uh, take this back a step, and, and um, because owning large estates is not the prerequisite for being active in rewilding, um, and um, we're uh, a group of us are currently halfway through the process of starting up a, um, a, a rewilding campaign for Britain. Um, which uh, we, we've done the exploratory phase. We're now raising the core funds, setting up a charity, and we'll soon be appointing a director. Um, and um, we um, and, and the idea is to catalyse rewilding across the country um, to mobilise in favour of it, um, and that means campaigning through the media, through public forums. Um, lobbying, um, fundraising, making it easier for those who do have opportunities to rewild to do it. Um, there are already groups which are raising money through public subscription and using very large numbers of volunteers to get land rewilded. Um, for example, Trees for Life in Scotland or in the Highlands of Scotland um, and in the Southern Uplands, Carifran. Um, where um, uh, they are very strongly reliant on, on public involvement. Um, but, but it's also true that you can contribute to rewilding on small areas of land, not least because while our focus is on large core areas big enough to support top predators, which are, turn out to be ecologically critical to anything resembling effective function, um, uh, those core areas can't function without um, a, a permeable landscape um, through which animals can move. And that requires um, smaller pockets of wild habitat as well as um, wildlife corridors and, and a more general permeability. Um, uh, because otherwise the, the animals in the large core areas become genetically isolated. So, so, so we need rewilding on, on, on all scales mm. um, if it's going to be effective. And um, you wrote recently, uh, you mentioned before, the positive environmentalism, you wrote about an ounce of hope is worth a tonne of despair. How deep a shift does this feel for you? Well, I, I should say that I've always sought to um, propose solutions um, and I, I, I always feel it's a sense of I always feel a sense of failure if I if I raise a problem without um, at least being able to hint at a solution, and it's not always possible to do that. Of course, there are some problems which either um, are just at the beginning of being understood or um, don't have obvious solutions. But 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 in a lot of cases, I've I've worked hard to try to find some um, uh, ways forward, and I've written. Um, um, 
one book which was entirely about um, 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 possible means of change, which was, which, was, which was The Age of Consent, and in my other books they've all had um, chapters about how, how to move forward. But um, to, to be going back to my roots and writing entirely about the natural world, and of course it's interactions with, with, with the human world, but, but, but the focus being very firmly on the natural world, and at the same time to be proposing an entirely positive vision, um, that, that feels new and that um, feels very exciting to me. And, and I think, you know, I, I feel inspired by it and, and other people seem to be as well. Mm. And in the, you wrote in the book that um, the slowest and most reluctant of any European nation to begin rewilding the land and reintroducing its missing species is the UK. Why is that? What, what are we afraid of on a kind of cultural mm. level? What, what, why, mm. what are we so terrified of? It's, it's a good question. And I, I think there's a, a couple of ways of answering it. The first is we have been literally cut off from large animals for longer than most other European countries. Um, and we extirpated um, our large mammal fauna um, more thoroughly than any other country except Ireland. Uh, within Europe um, and having done so we have tended to regard any possibility, any, any prospect of the re-establishment of, of, of those missing large mammals uh, as an alien intrusion which is to be feared rather than to be marvelled at um, uh, but I think this is greatly compounded by the fact that um, our land is owned by so few people. We have, on one estimate, the second highest concentration of landowning in the world. And um, uh, and those people are uh, far more conservative than the population as a whole. Not all of them, but, but on average, they are far more conservative and far more resistant, reluctant to contemplate any kind of positive change, let alone the, re- the return of large animals, than most of the population would be. So, for instance, the only survey I'm aware of um, showed that 86% of respondents were in favour of the return of beavers, um, but the landowners whose land might be suitable um, for the return of beavers, on the whole, are are, are fiercely opposed to the idea um, and uh, and invoke uh, a, a rich mythology in, um, in trying to justify their opposition, which suggests that they learnt their ecology from the Brothers Grimm, <laughs> uh, in which the beaver somehow takes the place of the big bad wolf. 